0: Knees shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen. My prayer is that the Lord has used worship so far to shake some of that rust off. Can it kind of prepare our minds and our hearts to it? to really worship and to consider who we're worshiping. He's everything. He's not just somebody. He's the greatest. And the fact that in spite of ourselves, he has chosen to set his affections upon a particular people for his glory just blows my mind. We come boldly before the throne of grace. Not because we got it so good. Not because we are so smart not because we are so wise. We're able to stand before the throne of grace because of Jesus Christ. So may we even dwell in that this morning as we look into the word of God if you would. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew, the third chapter, and I ask that you will continue to pray with me on last week. I was having a lot of throat issues, and I, I've been sick all week, but I ain't going to worry about it because I ain't feeling my spirit. I wasn't supposed to preach, so I'm going to preach. They they say they got my back up there on the soundboard. I might only have one gear, but we're going to go slow and steady through this text. And we're going to marinate in God's word because God's word is good. Matthew, the third chapter. And I just want to take a moment to introduce to some of you and reintroduce to others my good friend, my newfound friend, John the Baptist. As I was studying this text, the Lord just did a a, a work on my heart. He convicted me. I really don't appreciate John the Baptist. Uh, There's nothing wrong with looking over everyone else to get to Jesus. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do, but there's just some folks in the Bible you just got to sit with for a minute and have a little talk and have a conversation and that's the plan for the next couple of weeks. I originally was gonna uh, was gonna preach this whole chapter at once, but it, it got good to me. So I said we just gonna do six verses today. So part of that is just because it's so rich, but another part of that is because in the third chapter uh, we begin to see the introduction of some new characters as we journey through the Gospel of of Matthew, and and, and just like any movie that you sit down to watch, it's important that you come on time so you know who these characters are and their backstory. There's There's nothing worse than trying to watch a movie with someone who ain't come in on the first half of the movie. And you're trying to watch the movie, and you're like, well, who is that? And what they do, and where they come from, and why they fight, and like, just watch the movie if you hadn't been on time you'd have got the backstory, but So there's some character development that I, I truly believe that Matthew is intentional with because these are people who are going to journey along with us for the rest of the book. We've been introduced to the likes of Herod, but Herod has died. We've seen the obedience of Joseph. There's no more mention of Joseph within the book. And, and, and now we we get to meet John the Baptist, Jesus' is forerunner, but not only him. We we meet the religious leaders that Jesus often went toe-to-toe with, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Finally, we get to look at the baptism of Jesus and this, this understanding of baptism and what it is. So we'll probably spend the next three weeks here uh, in, in chapter 3, and then we'll, we'll wrap up on the subject of baptism. Um, but again, we, the main reason we're just camping out It's because of our lack of exposure to the life of John the Baptist. If you have your Bibles with you, Matthew the third chapter, beginning with the first verse, just six verses for us this morning, this is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. And The word of God reads, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. The subject of our text today is we're going to review God's last prophet. God's last prophet. And let us at this time bow before our king. Oh well, gracious and eternal father we just thank you for you are good. Thank you for your kindness and for your mercy lord you didn't owe us anything. But yet it's because of your mercy and your grace that you smiled down upon us even this morning. You woke us up and gave us strength and energy. And father you gave us new mercies and new grace. Father you're so good you You're not a dad who feeds us leftovers, but you give us a new meal every morning. Your mercies are fresh and your grace is new. And Father, as we have gathered together to worship you, I ask, Lord, that you would indeed pour out your Holy Spirit, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear and heart ready to receive your word with joy and gladness. And, Father, my prayer is that you would wake us up, wake us out of our stupor that this world and sin puts us in. Father, I ask that you would just chisel away at the hardness of our hearts, that you would remove the scales from our eyes and help us to realize just who you are. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are mighty and majestic, omnipotent, omniscient, You are marvelous and wonderful. There's no one like you. You are preeminent. You are transcendent. But yet you are still eminent. God, you are with us. You are Emmanuel. And I ask, Lord, not just that you would be here, but you would open up our eyes and our hearts to your presence, for you are already here. So, Father, I ask that you would take my broken and weak body and allow me to preach the excellencies of Christ this morning. Lord, for the one broken by sin, I ask that you would begin to rebuild and that you would begin to sure up. But, Father, we know that many times in our lives you break us in order to build us back up the right way. We've been building these lives on our own for so long. Lord, sometimes you just got to break us. Father, sometimes you just got to put on us more than we can bear so we can depend upon you. Father, we just need you right now because if we're honest, Lord, we're, we're scared, we're weak, and we're fearful. But Lord, in Christ Jesus, we're strong. So, Father, I ask that you would speak and give us a strong word this morning. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm so grateful to the Lord for the time he's allowed me to spend in Zimbabwe. It, it has been so um, uh, such a great impact in my life and just the worldview and the perspective that being overseas can have. Uh, in contrast to America, like, like one of the things that, that really st- stands out to me is, is the concept that people in Zimbabwe do a whole lot with a little bit. They do a whole lot with a little. But the contrast of that here in America, we do very little with a whole lot. It's this, it's this paradox, this contrast that I find myself going, going between in life and I'm, and I'm grateful that the Lord has opened up that aspect of in my mind and it allows me to see things like our own value system here in America and the things that we really value and the things that we really esteem. See, here in America, we, we tend to undervalue those things that are truly value, valuable. But then we overvalue those things that, that are really worthless. Think about it. We, growing up, where we undervalue our parents, we undervalue our, our jobs, I'm always complaining about it. But if you weren't getting paid by your job, you'd be on the streets. And, and we undervalue others so much. But again, on the flip side of that, we, we often overvalue stuff, TVs and homes and cars and jewelry and clothing and shoes and footballs and basketballs. And we, we, we overvalue stuff. And we're always pursuing stuff, and we, we overvalue the celebrity. Oh, we're so quick to take a selfie with somebody famous. They don't even know you. They really don't want to take that picture, but it's good for their image that they take a picture with you. And we're so quick to overvalue ourselves over others. And beloved, in a way, true appreciation doesn't just come. True appreciation usually comes when something or someone is gone or when we grow. In our lives, we may have undervalued or underappreciated our parents, but let one of your parents pass away. All of a sudden, those memories and become valuable. You have a, a good friend you grew up with and, and, and you haven't talked to in a while, and, and all of a sudden, they're, they're sick with the terminal disease. Now, they, now, now you think about how good a friend they really were, and you undervalued their friendship. We have a way that things have to be taken away from, from us in order for us to actually appreciate it. I, either it needs to be taken away or you know what? Sometimes the Lord allows us to grow up. And when we grow up, we begin to really appreciate what God has given us. I, I tell you what, uh, the older I get, the more I appreciate my parents. I value them so much when I was young. I, I just thought they just, just told me stuff because they made it up. no. They actually have wisdom. And the older I get, the wiser my parents get. Because I really understand the value of their direction and and them pointing me in the right areas of life. And and you may be in a situation where where as you have grown up or, or you have been on a job for a while and now you got a little seniority and you appreciate like, man, you know what? I got a good gig. You're looking at all the layoff lines and all the pink slips and somehow, some way, you've been protected in the midst of it. You're like, man, I, maybe I do have a good job. That's just in our nature. We, we have a hard time valuing the things that we should value. And when we look at scripture, it is so easy for us to undervalue what, what, what God's word is bringing to us and speaking to us. I'm guilty of that myself because up to now, I have truly undervalued the witness and the testimony of John the Baptist. Because really, when you look at John the Baptist, he should be our hero in the faith. He should be one of our heroes, just like Moses, just like David, just like Noah, just, just like all those patriarchs and, and prophets. And he, We should uh, have him as a hero, just like a Paul, just like a Peter but we actually look over him easily. And when I say a hero of the faith, not in a, in a moralistic way like, oh, John was, John was on fire for Jesus and you should too. It's like, no, not like that. But in a sense of his commitment to pointing people to Jesus. That's his whole life. His, his you ever seen those, those memes or those, those videos that you got one job? Like, like your one job, it is to push the button when people are at the door and there's just one job and somehow these videos they show people messing up their one job like all you have to do is push the button john's one job was to point people to jesus and he did it well when we look at the text before us it starts off by saying in those days set in the context Moving from the second chapter to the third chapter, we have a jump of some twenty five years some twenty five plus years. we move from the childhood of Jesus to the ministry of Jesus. We skip his teenage years and we don't know much about his early twenties but but now we see he's in his thirties and, and and his ministry is getting ready to to launch to begin and and as we get here to the third chapter, Matthew is introducing Us to some new new characters who will be with us on this journey, but but as we look at this text, it's it's two things, two streams of thought. I want you to follow with me this morning. The first is we should value those who point us to Jesus. We should value those who point us to Jesus, but secondly. Because only those who value Jesus can can point others to Jesus. So if it's it's one sentence, I want to break it apart for us today, and we're just going to do this introductory sermon on the life of John the Baptist, but we should value those who point us to Jesus because only those who value Jesus can point others to Jesus. So we look at this first point that we should value those who point us to Jesus. And, and here we, we, we leap into the ministry, the life and ministry of John the Baptist. And, and it's, it's interesting because we actually don't know that much about John the Baptist. We don't know a whole lot about uh, his entire life or his, his, his teenage years or uh, uh, how he, he supported himself. We don't know a lot about him, but yet he's still everywhere. In a sense. Because we see John the Baptist, he shows up in all four Gospels. And, and he shows up in a major way in all four gospels. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. See, in Matthew, we we first see John the Baptist in the third chapter, but in Mark, we see him like verse one and two. In Luke, we see him in the first chapter. And in John, we see him in the first chapter. So when we when we think about John and how immediately he's being shown to us that should be an indicator man he's in every single gospel and he comes up pretty quick and he must place a significant role in scripture so that's one thing we need to understand about about john the baptist that he plays a significant role in the Gospels of jesus christ his his ministry is almost intertwined with that of Jesus before Jesus takes over and, 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 and begins to minister in, in the towns and in the countries. He was his precursor. He came before Jesus ministered. But what we also see about the life of John is that he was born under some divine circumstances as well. Turn with me to Luke, the first chapter. first chapter so just to set the context so here Zechariah he is a priest and, and, and he's married to Elizabeth and, and they're barren they can't have children and it's his turn to minister in the temple and as he goes in to minister in the temple to, to do the incense an angel appears before him and says Zechariah your, your prayers have been answered you've been praying for a child and and God is going to give you a child and and this child let's pick up here towards the uh, verse 14 and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb So so we see here that that the angel shows up and and tells Zechariah that though you may have been barren, kind of reminds you of Abraham. And 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 though you have been praying for a child, Elizabeth, that God is going to answer your prayers, but this child is not going to be an ordinary child, but this this child is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from from the womb. So so. In in a sense, it's similar that the Holy Spirit plays a significant role in the birth of Jesus and in John the Baptist. But yet, the Holy Spirit brought forth conception in Jesus' case. But here, John himself would be filled with the Holy Spirit from his womb. Now, you know, I know you think you got wonderful kids and they just so sweet and just so wonderful. But I don't think nobody's baby in here was born already filled with the Holy Spirit. None of our children came out already in relationship with God the Father because they had been filled. No, and, and I'm, see, this is just a quick side note. Our, our children are sinners, and they, we need to preach not moralism to our children, not just be better, do better, because you're embarrassing me. No, we preach to our children, you are a sinner in need of salvation, and you can only be saved through Jesus Christ. So he, he is born filled with the Holy Spirit, and if we turn over to Luke, the first, uh, the 36th 36, the 36 verse, we actually see that Jesus is related to John, the angel's talking to Mary and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month which her who was called barren. So we, we see not only this connection and the birth narrative, but they related, they blood. look past these familiar things as you are going through scripture because whenever you look at scripture they're here for a reason God wants us to magnify and glorify him not only in the big things but in the small things that God was orchestrating in this family this connection that that not only is, is, is John a forerunner uh, to his ministry he's, he's a forerunner in the family and in his birth and we see that John the Baptist—he—he he gets his name from his ministry. See, John the Baptist is not some denominational identifier. He—he—he he, he didn't attend uh, Nazareth First Baptist Church. He—he—he—he he, 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 he was Baptist, and—and—and and, and that signified what he was doing. If anything, it can be translated John the Baptizer. John was preaching a message of re- repentance for the kingdom of heaven was at hand, and he, he would say, be baptized for the confession of your sins. He would take those who would come out, who recognize that their identity as Jews would, that, that, thats they could not take that as assurance for their acceptance before God. It wasn't their lineage, but it was their brokenness, their admittance, Uh, that they would admit that they needed Jesus Christ as as Savior, and he was baptizing folks in the Jordan River. So John the baptizer, that's kind of like his identifier, just as we would think of Jesus the Christ. He's the Messiah, the anointed one. What else do we see here just talking about John the Baptist? Well, really, we see that John, he was the last of the Old Testament prophets. He was in that that cloth of the Old Testament prophets. And, And just like the Old Testament prophets, John was calling the people back into a right relationship with God. All of the Old Testament prophets, when they came on the scene, it was because the people had moved away in their relationship with God they had chosen to to worship false gods they had chosen to to do uh sinful sinful things and they weren't considered about uh they weren't considering how to live righteously before God and prophets would show up God would send this man and say repent come back into a relationship with your covenant father this is exactly what John the Baptist is doing here he is coming out of the wilderness and he's saying repent Repent. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about his message. But what he's saying is you can't keep living like everything's okay. You can't just keep walking in a way of life that you think you're okay because the wrath of God is coming for you. And if you don't turn from your sin, if you don't shift how you feel about God and how you feel about his his commands, then you are going to experience his wrath. Beloved, that's what repentance is. It's not, just, it's not just saying, I'm sorry, God. It's actually agreeing with God about how he feel about sin. And not about sin generically, how he feels about your sin. It is our sin that separates us from God. So what John is coming, he's, he's coming, he says, repent, turn, while you still have a chance. You know what? In a similar way, that's, that's what we preach here every week. Repent while you still have a chance. Tomorrow is not promised to no one. Tomorrow is not guaranteed for anybody. Repent while you still have a chance. Repent while God is still listening. Because when you leave this life, there is no Holding place. There is no second chances. Today, that's what the, the text of scripture. Uh, oh, excuse me, the text of scripture says today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Don't let it pass. So John was. He's the last of the Old Testament prophets. Jesus is the fulfillment of all these Old Testament prophets. But John is. It's the last of them, and we see that not only is he an Old Testament prophet, but he, his arrival is the actual fulfillment of prophecy. Turn with me over in uh, Old Testament to your left, one book to the book of Malachi. Malachi, the fourth chapter. Now remember, Malachi has written some some 400 years, after Malachi has written, there's 400 years of silence. No one is speaking to Israel. The very last words that Malachi speaks to the people, in chapter 4, verse 5 says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree and utter destruction. And you might be saying, okay, that's, that's cute, that's, that's interesting, that's nice, but, but what does that have to do with John? Now let's go back to Luke, the first chapter. Because in Luke, the first chapter, the very next verse from where we were reading, Luke, the first chapter in the 15th verse, it says, for, for he will, talking about John the Baptist, be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn, what? Many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before them, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Scripture is is testifying that one would come and it would be preaching a message of, of repentance and reconciliation and this person will be will be uh the same type of prophet like Elijah in the same spirit in the same power and he, they would show up on the scene and be able to turn people's hearts and prepare the people for Jesus. This is exactly what John is doing. He is fulfilling this prophecy. He is showing up and he's saying, "Look to Jesus. Another one is coming." In verse 3, that's what he's doing. He is he is the forerunner. He's a herald for Jesus Christ verse 3 tells us for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord make his path straight that's quoted from the Old Testament Isaiah the 40th chapter in the third verse what what it's saying is that one would come and prepare the way for Jesus See, in old, in old Testament times, before a king would come to another country, a herald, a, a person would go before them and say, the king is coming, the king is coming. Make sure the, the, the streets are laid straight. Make sure there ain't no potholes coming up to your house. Make sure the road is level. Make sure there's no obstructions. Make sure there's no hindrances. Make sure there's nothing in the way because the king is coming. And this is what John is saying. Get out the way. Fill up those potholes. Get get rid of your sin. Get rid of your distractions. Put down your phone. Turn off the TV because Jesus is coming. He doesn't want the people to be left out. That's, That's what a herald does. A herald doesn't have the authority of the king but the herald gets to roll with the king. And he is the one that is speaking, saying, look, the king is coming. Be ready. See, but here's the thing about John the Baptist. These, these are just a few nuggets of who he is or and where he come from. But the thing about John the Baptist we have to pay attention to is that John was a great man. Beloved, some would even say the greatest. You know, in Scripture, John's greatness is actually clear. It's real clear. There's, there's no question to his greatness in Scripture. It, it, it's not like some like like one, the, like uh, that modern debate. You know that modern debate that people are trying to have. Like who's who's the GO? Who's the greatest? Is it Michael or LeBron? Like. Like is that really a debate? Everybody knows Michael is the greatest. I mean, everybody knows that. I'm having a few conversations after church. But everybody knows Michael is the GOAT. Why? He's six and in finals. He ain't lost no finals. He got six rings. He he's all over. I mean, he changed the game. So there. So but we can have a debate, right? You can bring out some evidence, and I can bring out some evidence. But, beloved, when it comes to John the Baptist being the greatest, there's no evidence uh, against it. He is the greatest. Let's let's, let's look at some of the evidence. In Matthew, the, the 14th chapter, you don't have to turn to this one. In Matthew, the 14th chapter, verses 1 and 2, Herod says, at the time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. This is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. So Herod is attributing Jesus' miraculous works as as if it's John the Baptist come from the dead. John the Baptist was so sweet that Herod mistook uh, 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 Jesus for John the Baptist. The religious leaders were, were some of the same. In Matthew, the twenty-first chapter, beginning with the twenty-third verse, the religious leaders roll up to to Jesus and they're challenging his authority. So Jesus flips the script on them, and he says. And they discussed it among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to he will say to us, why then do you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid that the crowd of the crowd for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus. We do not know. So so even in their argument, the religious leaders who had beef with Jesus knew that John was somebody. We, we have a king's word, and we got religious folks' word, but you know who word matters the most? Jesus. Matthew, the 11th chapter, starting with the 7th verse, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the ministry of John the Baptist. And he brings up these words. And verse 70 says, as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Someone who was scared? No. Nah. What, what then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? No. Nah. Behold, for those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. And verse 11, truly I say to you, among those born of woman, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Jesus is, 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 is speaking and saying that John the Baptist is the greatest man who has ever been born. That's crazy. He's saying John the Baptist is greater than Adam. John the Baptist is greater than Abraham. He's greater than Isaac. He's greater than Jacob. He's greater than Noah. He's greater than Job. He's greater than Ezekiel. He's greater than Daniel. He's greater than David, Jeremiah, Isaiah. He's greater than Josiah, Hezekiah. He's greater than all those Old Testament saints that we hold in esteem. He says, John greater. Y'all really didn't know what y'all had when he was here. But you know what? Even though Jesus testifies to his greatness, this is what blows my mind. Because in the king's economy, that's what what he's saying. We're going to dig into this because it's so rich. John says, repent for the the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying that a, a new system is present. Where God's rule and his reign and his authority is breaking in. And in this new country, this 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 heaven, there's a a, a different economy. There's a things are done differently than they're done right now. And he's trying to help you understand. Because as great as John is, in the in the king's economy, the greatest man is still just a herald to Jesus. You get that? A herald wasn't sweet. A herald didn't have a position of prompt. They couldn't go to the hood and cash in on their recognition. They had a they had one job and, and just to say the king is coming. But Jesus is saying, John is the greatest man that ever lived. Beloved, the greatest man have ever been born of a woman was just a herald for Jesus. If the greatest was just a herald for Jesus, then who do you think you are? Why do you think you deserve anything more than what John deserved? Why do you think your sin is not offensive to God? Why do you think you should have some special role in the church, a special role on the job, a special role in your family? You ain't as great as John, but he was just a herald. The Lord uses this text to put us in our proper place. Think about it. You can look at it two ways. One, when I say just, he's just a herald. In one sense, we should amaze that Jesus would even use us to herald His name. Man, what a privilege just to shout the name Jesus sometimes. What a privilege just to be able to call on Him sometimes. You know those. You know how those one-word prayers: Jesus, Jesus. But as great as he is, he is is still just a hero. And you know what? Here's the thing. John recognized this. In verse, we look down here. In verse, I want to say, 14 of the third chapter. When Jesus actually comes up to be baptized by John. John's like, whoa, 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 whoa. this, something ain't right about this. In verse 14, he said, John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? He recognized his position under Jesus. You know, I talk about the king, this kingdom economy. One of the things going on in Zimbabwe, they, they are in economic crisis right now because their currency is, is really not worth anything. A few years ago, their whole economy just tanked, like completely tanked. And they began to use other currencies. They used the, the South African Rand, they began to use the US dollars, and there's just this mixed mash of currency being used throughout the country. You really didn't know what you could use where. You you would show up to a store, and if you had the Zimbabwean money, they're like, well, I don't want that. It's worth nothing. I can't use that. But it, but. Last year, they, they came out with a, a, a bond, a new note. And what's happening is that the same thing is happening. You go somewhere with that note, and they tell you, no, nah, we want American currency. We, we want to use that. The currency is, 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 is it's not worth anything. Beloved, it's not like that in the kingdom of God. We, we can't come in with our own currency, try to barter and trade. You can't come in with your own type of money and I can't come in with my own type of money and tell God what we go to do or what we won't. No, he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's a a new currency and 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 it's led by Jesus. And we are to get on his page and follow his orders and his instructions. This is a transformation of all that we see. And instead of worrying about being somebody, Worry about belonging to somebody. We should greatly value John the Baptist because he was pointing to mankind's only hope. Beloved, my my only question for you today is do you value those who point you to Jesus? Do you value folks who point you to Jesus? Do Do you value those who teach you the word of God? Do you value your Sunday school teachers? Do you value your community group leaders? Do you value your deacons and pastors? Do you value those who who are able to, to, to rightly interpret the word? Don't value people because of who they are. Value people because of who they teach. Christ crucified. Value those who exhort you, who encourage you to do better in Christ Jesus, who encourage you with a a, a, a fit word spoken at the right time. Value those who are willing to hold you accountable. Or do those people who point you to Jesus bother you and annoy you? Those people who are in your life, they have a special role. Because when they are around, they don't let you talk about folks. Do you value that? Do you value those people that they don't let you have a pity party, but they say be strong in the Lord? Do you value those people who who are not willing to look over your sin because they care more about your soul? And they love you. Do we really value people who are willing to tell the truth for Christ? No, we're like, no, nah, I, I can't, I can't be bothered with them today. They, they're always talking about Jesus and talking about praying, and they always talking about I need to, I need to put that sin down. And we don't value them. We look past them. Have, have you ever asked yourself why we have such an aversion to the truth? Why do we hate truth so much? The text, the text of scripture tells us this In John, the third chapter in the 19th verse, the word of God says, we don't like truth. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil for everyone who does wicked things, hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. You know why we don't like the truth? If we don't like the truth, we don't like the light. And if we don't like the light, we don't like Jesus. That's the bottom line. If we, are not per, if we are not valuing the relationships of people who are pointing us to Christ and grateful for the fact that they love us enough to point us in the truth, then we're just like the text, those in darkness. We don't want our dirt to be exposed. You should value those who point you to Jesus. I'm going to wrap up right here. We'll we'll pick up next week. But one of the things I I just want to challenge you. Because my fear, is that many of us in here today can take for granted the fellowship of the saints. Look down your row. Look look down to your left and look down to your right. And we take for granted the fact that those people who sit on our row are going to show up next week. And we take for granted the fact that they may have a word to speak into our lives. That they may have a word of encouragement that they may have a word of rebuke. And we take for granted the fact that God has given us one another that we may strengthen and encourage one another unto godliness. As we look at the life of John the Baptist, may we be encouraged to truly value those who are willing to point us to Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, thank you for holding me in your hands. And I ask, oh God, even as we reflect upon the life of John the Baptist, that we would reflect upon our own lives. Father, I ask that you would give us a desire for your truth. Give us a desire for your people. Help us not to run away from the light because the light has come into the world to save us. So, Father, even right now, I ask that you would burden the one who is drenched in their sin. Help them to turn. May you set the captives free that they may worship you. Father, may you encourage the body of Christ today that we would appreciate and value what you have given us, this gift of Forest Baptist Church. You have given us one another. And Father, we'll just be careful to give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. We love you, we thank you. In Jesus' precious and holy name, we do pray. Amen.